listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Brexit. What a pass to Anders. A team follow. Toy Branch fires. He converts. Rhymes again. Up shot. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama presented by Apollo Media. That is right, Apollo Media, your new home for all things Houston sports. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez and I am the unofficial official i guess um men's basketball beat reporter for the daily cougar uh and you can find me on twitter at ayanas underscore five and i'll toss it over to our second host and i'm your second host tamer knight and you can find me on twitter at t knight sports that's t-k-n-i-g-h-t sports and i'm just a sports supporter here from houston texas and why are you here, guys? Make sure you give our Twitter a follow at Apollo Houston. That's A-P-O-L-L-H-O-U. As well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And Tamer, before we get started, first of all, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast. Uh, we're like, I think January 28th was our last unofficial, or our last um, podcast as a part of Clear City Control Room. It, like we mentioned at the beginning, we are now a part of the Apollo Media branch. And really, it's an interesting opportunity to be able to join here with, with Apollo. It's an awesome opportunity, honestly, because we're not just uh, pigeonholed into that you know, Houston hoops type of media coverage. We can expand to a lot of things and I, I'm really excited to see what we can do with Apollo media. It's been such a transition. And like you said, Andy, we haven't recorded, I mean, in a little over a month, but as well, I'm looking forward to seeing all of the great things that Apollo Houston can offer for us and our audience. And I really, really enjoy the fact that we can talk more about all Houston sports rather than just, you know, Rockets and Cougars. So I'm looking forward to it. And if you haven't already, just be sure to give our fellow um, podcasters a listen at their podcasts. Um, you can find all of those on our Twitter and our website. So without further ado, Andy, I think we can just kind of hop right into it. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll jump right into it. We have a, a busy week that we, we decided to have a comeback. Uh, we're right in the middle of the American Athletic Conference Tournament for the women's basketball side. And unfortunately for the University of Houston women's basketball team, they just finished um, their run in the tournament after they lost um, to Central Florida 61-39. That game just went final about you know, 50 minutes ago as that we record this and there's still a lot left to be determined in terms of, you know, a potential NCAA bid when it comes to the Cougars, to the university of Houston women's side. Um, but we, we kind of mentioned this and, and to our original viewers, when we first launched our podcast, I believe it was like around September or no, not September. It was one of those early episodes whenever we did our predictions for the women's and men's side. And when we were talking about the women's, we talked about how 
I believe you, Tamer, you had them highest at about fourth or third. I think you may have predicted them to finish third in, in the American Athletic Conference regular season. And you were pretty close to that mark. They finished 16 and seven overall, including the loss to Central Florida just a few minutes ago. And their season's not over yet. There's a potential bid for an NCAA run if they are selected. Um, Unfortunately, with the loss, a couple of bracketologists have UH as their last four out and the loss won't help them. But um, you, you never know with that. But even a potential NIT run, it could be in the future. So their season's not necessarily over yet. Yeah, Andy, and I want to kind of rewind just a little bit. Um, you mentioned in the beginning of starting the podcast, um, we had predictions where we talked about where we thought the Cougars, uh, men's and women's, kind of finished. Um, but we were also, you know, heavily talking about COVID because that was the thing of the beginning. And, you know, I'm just really excited to see how far both of these teams have come. Um, all of the sports, honestly, college sports, professional sports, you know, how much they've kind of adapted and you, you would have thought like no one missed the beat the way, you know, especially the Cougars, uh, men's and women's. Um, we talked a lot about them calling the women's, especially calling this season a, a redemption season. And so I, I I think I was about third or fourth in the conference because, again, um, just having the opportunity to kind of chit chat with them and, and, and their expectations for their season this season. I'm just really, really um, 12 and five and they broke so many records. Um, I'm just, I can't even put it into words uh, what it must feel like for the university of Houston to, you know, finally get to the top of their conference. I think for the first time, this is um, the highest they've been since they joined the American athletic Yes, it is. And then not just that, but, you know, they, they've done a lot of good things. And you mentioned the COVID thing, obviously a lot of pauses that, that both teams had to do endure and just to, to get to this point. And like you mentioned, uh, Ronald Huey and the whole team, they kind of dubbed it the redemption season after finishing 12 and 18 last season. And even though this, this, the semifinal game that they just lost was a bit lopsided and they struggled offensively to, to get anything going against central Florida's defense. And yeah, so they were a bit shorthanded against central Florida. Um, obviously Judy Blackshell fair suffered her ACL injury earlier in the season, but you know, they didn't have diamond Gladney either, which she's been dealing with a plantar fasciitis injury that she suffered back in February, literally the final game in February, against South Florida when they had the big upset win over 13th rank South Florida at the time. Um, Gladney was dressed to play in this game. She was active according to, to a source that told me, but she never played. So they were shorthanded in that aspect, but just even going back to the quarterfinal games on Tuesday when they had uh, a double digit win over ECU, Layla Blair showed promise. She had 19 points against the Pirates, and Maya Crump showed how, honestly, how good of a defender she is. She had six steals, which was an All-American Athletic Conference record, or tied a record um, for most steals in a game in, in the tournament. Oh, wow. So I kind of want to backtrack because he talked about so much um, just then. But back to Julia Blackshear Fair. Um, it's just so unfortunate that she was she had to endure a, a torn ACL in her final, what could be her final season. Um, I know you kind of mentioned it was kind of up in the air if she would return, but I think 
them being without Julia and Diamond was kind of a, a key asset. But like you said, they have people like Layla Blair and Maya Crump that, you know, they have them to kind of fall back on to help uh, defensively and offensively. And, you know, Maya Crump was one of those people that we talked so highly about also prior to their season. And again, it's just, I know you said coach is going to allow them to, and gather for the the bid uh, on what was it Monday or Tuesday, and you know I'm just excited for them and really I mean we don't know um, what the future holds for them because you know they have uh, two seniors but everybody is pretty much returning so I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here but it's going to be interesting to see if they do get a bid and um, what all of these players can do uh, next season how far they will go. Yeah, you, going back to what you said about Black Show Fair, um, it, it is a bit up in the air with, with the extra year of eligibility that all senior, well, all players have, obviously with the COVID season. But it, it's interesting what they did for her on this particular senior day that they had against Cincinnati. They actually let her suit up and she got to play in the first minute of the game just to, to have that senior night. And it, it's interesting when you, when you see that, you, it kind of makes you lean towards she might not be back. But, you know, with that extra year of eligibility, it's still uncertain. And obviously Diamond Glanny will be back. She's only a junior. Um, but really, I think in this game, particularly against Central Florida, is where the Cougars really missed her. Yeah, and, it, and it was evident because they could not get anything going offensively. And and Ronald Huey and the coaching staff, they they kind of pride themselves in playing fast. But against Central Florida, it kind of backfired on them a little bit because Central Florida was honestly they were the bit the, the most aggressive team from the start. And the Cougars after they they kind of they were, they stuck within the first quarter, but after they got a little bit down by like double digits, they just started chucking up too many shots and, and they kind of seemed like they were panicking a little bit. Yeah, and we can't sit here and act like um, Central Florida hasn't always been an issue, but they've always been um, one of those um, problems for for U of H. Um, it's kind of been tick for tack for the last couple of years. So it's interesting to see that, you know, with this new team, what they were able to do. And I really do think without Diamond and Blackshell, um, Julia Blackshell fear that, you know, it, it, it was... They, they do need them um, in these uh, key games like this. And the fact that Julia got to play for one minute, that that's that does give me the idea that, hmm, you know, that's a torn ACL. So, you know, do she want to risk it or maybe she wants to go go play overseas or in the WNBA? Who knows what the future holds? Or I think one time she told me she was thinking about getting a master's. So it's going to be interesting to see what decisions she make and a lot of other athletes um, that may get this extra year of eligibility. Yeah, and going back to Central Florida, I mean, um, you you mentioned it. They, they, they kind of gave the Cougars problems the entire season, not just this this game this final game in the in the American Athletic Conference tournament, but uh, earlier in the season they they beat them twice and and they were both pretty lopsided wins and then I don't know that you had a third lopsided win. At Central Florida was just not a good matchup for U of H and, and it kind of showed and then like we we've kind of hammered it here, but we take away two key players. It it was going to be really hard for them to overcome that. But when we look forward, I think this team certainly has a lot of promise. Um, if they do end up losing both of their seniors, which, you know, we just mentioned Julia, but also Erica Sidney, 
um, you take away those two, but you, you have returning a whole bunch of guards. And I think what's going to be really key for this team, and not getting too much in, in, in detail, but I think their biggest key will be Ironically, they're bigs. Uh, Jasmine Lewis had a big game against uh, East Carolina in the quarterfinals. And really, that that's where they're going to have to get most of their advantage against most of these conference teams. Um, against East Carolina, U of H clearly had the size advantage, and, and they kind of dominated that with, with just how they, how they crashed the glass. Um, that wasn't the case tonight against Central Florida. And that's really where they struggled because they couldn't get to the paint, and they were just relying on too many jump shots. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was going to say, um, to go back a little bit, just next season, they're just going to have to know, you know, who's one of those UCF is going to be one of those teams that, you know, they're just going to have to really lock in. And like you mentioned, they're only, they're losing Julia Blackshill Fair and Erica Sidney, or maybe um, potentially, um, but even if those two come back, you know, they're going to know exactly what it is that they needed to do because, I can assure you just how they mentioned they were going to come back and, you know, um, have a redemption season. I can very much see them in the future coming back and having a redemption um, season against UCF. Yeah, for sure. I think the future in this program is bright and, you know, I'm interested to see what they dub the next season this year with the redemption year. And I think, you know, one of the things, the biggest things they have going for them is that this conference is wide open. I mean, they, they proved they can beat what was this year, the, the number one seed in the American Athletic Conference in South Florida. And not only that they beat them, they kind of controlled that game the second time they played at, at Fertitta Center. Um, obviously, they never got a chance to play them a third time in the American Athletic Conference tournament. But the, this conference is a lot more open, um, I think. Central Florida is their biggest threat now, just in terms of matchup, because they've shown that they can beat South Florida. It's just about being more physical. Be that consistency. Exactly. Exactly. That consistency and kind of, I wouldn't say having a backup plan, but being able to, to play multiple ways, not just, you know, running gun, fast break, score, shoot threes. When, when shots aren't falling, they have to rely on, a different way to score. And I think that's really the biggest thing that kind of bit them tonight against central Florida. Yeah. Andy, you mentioned um, scoring and uh, uh, for next season and how they're going to have to come back and really work on scoring. I was going to ask, or if I had to ask, I would say, or if I had to guess, I would say um, Maya Crump is the leading scorer and she's going to certainly be back uh, next season. And so I'm really anxious to see how she does. Um, also, it will be Diamond Gladney's uh, senior season. So we'll see how she, you know, take care of her, her current injury and uh, kind of either evolve for, you know, if they do get a chance in the NCAA tournament this season or how she comes back um, next season to, and really take on that that role that Julia Blackshell Fair had this uh, season as a senior. So and I'm sure there will be other ones as well. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you'd guess correctly, Maya Crump is the leading scorer for, or was the leading scorer this past season for U of H. But I mean, they had three players pretty much average around the same thing. Uh, Layla Blair and Brittany Anyaje, they both kind of, along with Maya Crump, they both kind of average, or all three of them average about 10 points a game. So they were basically the bulk of the U of H offense. 
for much of the stretch. And then Diamond Gladney was another key piece in that. So they were missing a, a, a big portion of their offense with takeaway Gladney. Uh, but, you know, like you mentioned, those three players that were the leading scorers are going to return next season. So, and those four, really those four, when you, when you add Gladney back, but I think the, what was the most impressive thing and the most, um, I guess you could, the, where they can draw the more more optimism from is Layla Blair because she had to really kind of step into that role. She stepped into the starting lineup once Julia got injured and she really showed them that, you know, she could fill that role. She she can be a starter and she's good offensively. That was obviously that was her strength coming in out of high school. But I think where she needs to improve, you know, regardless of if, if they can get in the NCAA tournament or if they have the NIT tournament um, and into the offseason and next season is she has to improve her basketball IQ uh, against East Carolina. She, she led the team with 19 points, but she also had seven turnovers. So just, you know, freshmen obviously if always are always gonna have like those moments. But if she can clean that up, I, I think like that Layla Blair is gonna have a bright future with the program. She already has she's already shown that she she has talent. She honestly just needs to polish up because she's gonna be a good player for this program. Yeah, and we saw um, Diamond Gladney step up uh, last season as well. Once um, Jasmine Harris departed from the team, you know, she was kind of under pressure, but she also showed what she can do. So, I mean, it's not really um, odd to see her, you know, kind of step up this season as well, because she she did what she had to do last season um, uh, to in order to prove herself uh, to fill in that gap once Harris left the team and yeah you mentioned Layla Beer uh, she, she you know she's also one of those people alongside Mike Crump that were heavily heavily influenced that this season would be a redemption season because you know she too thought she had something um, to add to this team uh, offensively and defensively. That's a great point, Tamer, but we're going to have to leave it at there when it comes to the women's basketball team because coming up next, we will talk about the men's side. Uh, on Wednesday, the American Athletic Conference announced their postseason regular season awards, if that makes sense. Uh, basically, their awards for the regular season, and the Cougars got a lot of recognition in terms of those awards, and we'll also preview the upcoming American Athletic Conference tournament for the men's side. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And we're back on Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Apollo Houston. And as my fellow co-hosts mentioned, this segment, we're going to be talking about UH men's basketball. And um, it's not it's not surprising to see all of the recognition that UH has have been getting um, as far as a team and individually. Um, as Andy mentioned, we have a few awards we're going to talk about. And I mean, Andy, let's just kind of jump right into it. Where do we start? Um, do you want to talk basketball, the extension, the awards? Where do you want to begin? Yes, Tamer, the U of H men's side has been really busy this week, the past three days, but we'll, we'll start with the awards. And right out, right out of the gates, Quentin Grimes won Co-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year with Wichita State's Tyson Etienne. Grimes was also named to the all-conference first team 
Senior guard Dejan Giroux was named to the Defensive Player of the Year in the American Athletic Conference. He was also named to the conference second team. Justin Gorham won Most Improved Player and was also selected for the All-Conference second team. And Marcus Sasser joined Gorham and Giroux in the All-Conference second team. Tamer, right off the gates, four players for the University of Houston received a, a spot in one of the All-Conference teams the first time that that has happened since 1992. What are your thoughts? I mean, dude, that <laughs> I've just tried to process everything you said. And I, I know I'm looking right at it, but oh, my God. You know, we also talked about the men's teams and what we expected for them. And I mean, yeah, we expected them to finish, you know, in the top of the their, the conference. I didn't couldn't have, have imagined all of them uh, getting these uh, record breaking awards. And, you know, it's the people that we, we talked about that we knew were going to be th- a threat. Um, to the American Athletic Conference and a, a great asset to the Cougars team. And I mean, Dave John Giroux, uh, Quentin Grimes, uh, I think Justin Gorham came and he he kind of made a name for himself this season as well. And um, same for Sasser. And these are all people that were kind of new to the team because you know we we saw Quentin Grimes and uh, Dave John Giroux for a few seasons and we knew that uh, Dave John Giroux needed to kind of have a redemption season of his own um, prior to last season. But for to see him come back and, you know, <laughs> get defensive player of the year and uh, all conference second team. I mean, I guess he's basically telling us, mind your business. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. Giroux had a great bounce back year. And you know, Kelvin Sampson gave him a lot of praise throughout the season. And, you know, throughout the year, he's called him U of H's most indispensable player. He said that the Cougars could not, would not be the same without Dejan Giroux. And you mentioned it last year. It was a struggle season for Dejan. And, you know, we've mentioned it in the past how he, he, kind of suffered a, a hand injury just about a month before last season. And he, he, he honestly never seemed to find a flow. But this season, he was big for U of H in different views. And obviously, Defensive Player of the Year is the biggest accolade. He he was often put on, on the opposing team's best player, certainly on the wing. But a, a bit underrated part of his game was his offense this season. He was a much better three-point shooter. And really, he had a lot of big shots whenever teams would start making runs or the Cougars needed a big shot. It would often be Dejan who kind of hit that shot and kind of gave Cougars, you know, those shots that kind of stopped the bleeding whenever other teams are making a run. Yeah, Andy, I was actually thinking the same about um, Dejon Giroux. Uh, he 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 was a key player defensively, but I also thought that um, he had took a couple big shots um, to you know kind of to me it was he was taking on that role as a senior. You know, um, I kind of think these are the things that he he learned and he talked about uh, prior to the season starting and how he you know planned to you know, step up and kind of carry this team on his back because he know what he knows what Coach Sampson expects. So, I, I mean, we, we can go on and on about uh, about one player, but really it's just this team as a whole. And I think um, the University of Houston are, are really, really proud of um, what they're seeing this coaching and staff do with this program. Yeah, and I think kind of like the plethora of people on on what the all conference team kind of shows what this team's about. Um, you know, Marcus Sasser made the conference team, and he didn't have a, a standout signature performance the last few games of the season. But you know, 
recency bias at the beginning of the season and towards the middle of the season, he, he was shooting the ball crazy. I believe he, or in January, he hit, he had one game where he hit eight three pointers, which was at the time of Fertitta center record. Um, and Justin Gorham, I, I remember last season talking to Kelvin Sampson for a story, and he told me that that we would see when Justin Gorham is all about next season. And at the time, so that was the 2019-20 season, he was talking about this season. And, you know, Kelvin Sampson was right on the money with that. And Justin Gorham, I think he had a stretch where I, I believe it might have been nine games, if I'm not mistaken, around that vicinity where he had nine games with double-digit rebounds. Each game he finished with double-digit rebounds. I think he had seven double-doubles on the season. I mean, earlier in the year, Calvin Sampson called him one of the Cougars' identity players, which is something he called him the heart and soul of the team, which is what he called Nate Hinton a season ago. So all these players have had their, their fingerprints all over this team season. Like you mentioned, even in a COVID season, the Cougars still managed to win 20 games. Uh, they finished 21 and three. So Kelvin Sampson has now gone six straight seasons, winning 20 plus or more games. And you know, before we get a little bit into the American athletic conference tournament, um, you talk about the coaching staff. There's no doubt why they decided to, the university of Houston decided to give Kelvin Sampson a two year extension to his deal. That will bring him or will keep him in Houston until the 2026, 27 season. Yeah, Andy, you took the words right out of my mouth because that was exactly where I was headed to talk about Coach Sampson's uh, two-year extended deal. So you see how far ahead they're already thinking in the future. He's going to be around um, a pretty long time. I I would I, I wouldn't put it past him that you know a year or two from now we see him signing another deal to just stay because you know that whole Sampson family has just made it known that they're proud to be here in Houston and this is where they want to be. So. I mean, that that's just the idea of the, the, the you know, that's just the extension itself. But. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned, um, I'm not sure if, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm pretty sure Samson will end up retiring with Houston. I'd be really shocked if Kelvin did it. But even then, you know, you talk about his son, Kellen. Um, he's supposed to be the head coach in waiting and well, he's going to have to be waiting a little bit longer if uh, Kelvin plays out the contract and doesn't decide to retire before or anything like that. But um, it's interesting to see how much faith and trust at the university, you know, Tillman Fertitta, who's the chairman of the board of regents and uh, Renu Couture, who's the president of the university and the athletic director, Chris Pesman, they, when they announced that, the extension they all had positive things to say about kelvin so he has the whole administration administration side of the university of houston behind him yeah and i i and come on be honest if if kellen steps up there's no way kelvin is not going to be around or you know telling him because he's if anybody's going to know the team or that can help him it's going to be his father because he's he, ideally he would be just yeah. taking it right off of his hands yeah that's a, the funny point you mentioned earlier uh in february when they played our lady of the lake which it, it did it was in a uh you know a game that counted for the net ranking so it was, it was kind of a I wouldn't say an exhibition game, but it kind of was. The Cougars didn't play a single one of their starters. And really, the, it was mainly what's um, 
you know, the Cougars kind of call their second unit in practice. And you had a lot of the freshmen play. And really the person that was leading them in that game, it was Kellen. And Kelvin kind of talked about how he let him kind of take the reins in that in that game. And it was kind of like a, a preview of you in, a, in another sense of, you know, what could potentially be down the road. But I agree completely um, that, you know, even after Kelvin retires, he's still going to have his fingerprints all over this program for honestly decades decades to come certainly and it's gonna, that now that is truly amazing and i i really like the fact that president rena couture um you know decided to kind of keep it in the family because again he's already working so closely with the team and he's familiar with the program and the expectations from the university of Houston. So that to me, that's a huge, huge money deal and a deal that's sealed. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, maybe another program tries to get Kelvin and be their head coach before Kelvin decides to retire. His contract is up, but well, are you going to say one more point? I know we kind of have to move on from this this topic, but I was going to ask, do you think Kellen would really leave the University of Houston um, despite him getting other deals or offers from, you know, the, the NCAA or NBA? Uh, it depends. Uh, if he gets a chance to be a head coach for a different program, I could totally see him taking that opportunity. I think Kelvin himself has, has said if, if that opportunity arises, that he'll encourage Kellen to do it. Um, because, you know, being a head coach for any program doesn't come often. And to have that opportunity, it'll be one that he said that he'll encourage Kellen to take. So it'll be interesting. I think if Kellen were to leave, it honestly depends on other programs reaching out to him and kind of having the confidence in making him the head coach. Yeah, I can agree with that. And then if anything, he can always make his way back to the university of Houston once his father's time is up. So real quickly, Tamer, we have to get into the American Athletic Conference Tournament for the men's side. Uh, the University of Houston will not play until Friday at 6.30, I believe, or around that time. But they'll, they'll play on Friday evening, and they're going to play either the winner of Tulsa or Tulane. So one of those two teams. Real quickly, let's get, let's get a, a look of what it was or what their record was against those two teams in the regular season. We'll start with Tulsa, who actually split with the Cougars during the regular season. They beat them their first meeting December 29th at Tulsa. It was a last second uh, <laughs> go-ahead free throws by Brandon Rachal. He hit both of his free throws to lead the Golden Hurricane over Houston. And in that game, Caleb Mills was still with the team. He actually hit the go-ahead jumper before that. They gave Houston a one-point lead before Brandon Rochelle hit his free throws. In the second meeting, which was in Houston, the Cougars just completely dominated Tulsa and Marcus Sasser was the leading guy for Houston in that game. He had 26 points and he had hit six three-pointers on them. What do you think about Tulsa if they are the ones that play UH in the quarterfinals? Tulsa, Tulsa, it's, it's, it's all, it's in all about the consistency with both of these teams. I think, um, I think it's like this every season. I think, you know, one season U of H is able to sweep Tulsa and then the next season Tulsa sweeps U of H and it's always just kind of neck and neck with Tulsa. That's just my honest opinion. But I think that, um, 
if we had to choose, you know, a match against the matchup, if they were to play in the tournament next, um, who would you say? I think I would say, I think, um, I'm going to go with the winners to the home side. You know, I'm going to go with the, the Cougars and say that I think in this, in this third round, U of H is going to kind of take over on Tosa. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think U of H is going to be the heavy favorite, regardless of which one of these two teams win um, in the quarterfinals. I think uh, if, if, they'd have a preferred matchup. It'd probably be Tulane because in the two meetings that they played, U of H blew them out of the water. They beat them twice by 20 plus points. And in the first meeting on January 9th, Marcus Sasser, that's when he tied that for Tita center record with eight three pointers. And then the second meeting, Cameron Tyson exploded and he hit nine three pointers of his own. And that actually tied a program record at the time. Um, before he ended up breaking Tyson ended up breaking that record and and I believe like a game or two after but so from that standpoint I guess the the preferred matchup would be Tulane but honestly I I I don't see U of H losing to either of these two teams if they do it certainly be a huge upset and you know I think going back to that Tulsa loss in December 29th it was a, a an interesting stretch and U of H had just I believe it was like nine days removed from their when they came out of their pause due to COVID-19 they had that 15-day pause um, because of coronavirus cases within U of H's program and you know in in the middle of that stretch it was the middle of a three-game road trip um, U of H had just played Central Florida a few days before. It was the day after Christmas where they played Central Florida. It also was the middle game, and then they were going to play at SMU. So it was a tough stretch coming off of COVID, and they only lost by one. And it, it took a, a Brandon Rashad to hit two free throws. And, and really, U of H didn't play that well in that game, and they only lost by one. COVID, everything that I just mentioned, I that's why I don't think that either of these teams really pose a big threat to U of H. I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm looking here and Tulane is four and 12, and this is very similar to where they were last season in the 2019 and 2020 season. So I just personally don't even see Tulane being a threat to the university of Houston. If they were to play them in the NCAA tournament, um, we talked about Tulane, um, and the, the preseason and we I know I personally gave Tulane hope saying that you know maybe they will have a redemption season themselves and come back and kind of get in the at least the middle of the conference but I don't see them posing the threats for the University of Houston let me not get on my high horse but if University of Houston plays the way they have been playing all season and the way that they've um, grown to play uh, as a program, I don't see Tulane being an issue for them. Now, as far as Tosa, they're seven and nine, and you know, eleven and eleven overall. And they're, I think, they're a pretty good team. They just, it's just something about them not being able to finish and close out the games. That's my opinion about Tulsa. So, you know. Honestly, I'm going to say I don't see Tulsa Poles in the third either. So I think we may be on the same page. But again, you know, it's, it's every they're all athletes and they're all D1 athletes. So we could very much be wrong. Right. right. Any any given day, you know, anything can happen, especially 
you know, the team gets hot and the Cougars are cold, anything can happen. But if Houston advances there in the same bracket with Memphis, who will play the winner of East Carolina and Central Florida, and if Memphis can advance from there, you have a rematch of last Sunday um, where U of H beat Memphis with a half-court buzzer beater by Tremont Mark. So that that's going to be an interesting game. That game would be on Saturday. And that would be the semifinals of the American Athletic Conference Tournament. So I think Houston's going to – they have a tough bracket outside of Wilson Tulane and they advance. They'll probably have to go through Memphis. And the number one seed in this conference tournament is Wichita State, who beat U of H. And honestly, I think they're the, the team that has kind of given U of H the most problems, even in the meeting that U of H won in Houston – the Wichita State kind of gave them fits throughout the game. It was a close game throughout until the Cougars were able to pull away towards the end. And then obviously in the second meeting in Wichita State, the the Shockers beat U of H. Similar thing to Tulsa, though, you could obviously pull the, that was the week of the blizzard in Houston where everything froze and, and power was out and water. It was just a terrible week. Um, but those are the two losses U of H. And obviously, East Carolina too is with the team that beat the third team that beat U of H. But you know, moving the East Carolina loss aside because that's one of those games where everything goes wrong and the Pirates were on fire from three pointers. The losses to Wichita State and to Tulsa, you could kind of, I, I, and you hate to make excuses, but you could kind of point at outside factors that might have played a role. Now, I think Wichita State's a really good team and it's going to, I'd be surprised if they're not in that championship game. But I think those are the two teams to watch for. Wichita State and Memphis are the biggest um, threats to the University of Houston in this tournament. Wow, Andy, you must be like reading my mind right now because I was totally going to ask you, how do you feel about Wichita State um, being number one in the conference and also uh, being able to beat the University of Houston this season? When we were doing our pre, I keep going back to these um, preseason predictions because obviously it's the end of the season and now we can kind of like compare and contrast what we said in the beginning versus what, what what's really happened. And just didn't see Wichita State being um, an issue for the University of Houston this season. Um, it's not one of those teams that are typically number one in the American Athletic Conference. Um, so I'm actually quite shocked to see that there could Wichita State be the threat um, to the University of Houston they, uh, when, if it came down to it in the finals? I feel like they absolutely could. And the biggest difference for the Shockers has been Altariq Gilbert and Calvin Thompson has mentioned how, you know, last season he played with UConn. Gilbert did and transferred over to the Shockers, which was a big help for Wichita State, obviously, after what happened with the program with their, their previous head coach and all the transfers, all the players they had transfer out. Altariq Gilbert was a huge plus for them. And like we mentioned, Quentin Grimes was co-player of the year. The other co-player of the year in the conference was Tyson Etienne and he is as good as advertised. I've seen him play here in person in Houston and in Wichita State. They really struggled to to guard him. Even they cycled a whole bunch of defenders from Quentin Grimes to Dejon Giroux. Even Marcus Sasser had a chance to guard Etienne. And, you know, regardless of what U of H does, he always gets a chance to get his points. 
Hey Andy, can you do that again? He's good as he's advertised. He's as good <laughs> Man, as advertised. Put you on a commercial or something. I wanted to crack the laughing so hard when you said that. But no, I agree. Um, <laughs> I don't know about this guy, but the fact that he won a co- uh, player of the, of the year, that's, I mean, obviously he said it. He, he finds a way to get his points in and that's what sits them on top uh, with, with over, over the University of Houston. So, I mean, if it came down to it, Hey, if I, again, they're all D1 athletes and this right. is, they're all, you know, they're, everybody has somebody that can pose a threat um, on all of these teams. So it just so happened that, you know, it just might be U, U of H and Wichita State in the finals. But we're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I, if I had to pick, um, if U of H can get past Memphis and, and play Wichita State, I, I'm sure U of H would be favored, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if U of H drops a game to either Memphis or Wichita State just because of, you know, back-to-back games or if they, if they play Wichita State, it'd be the third game in three days. So, obviously, that could be a factor. But real quickly, before we wrap things up, I wanted to... Oh, wait, I was going to say, Andy, they're not going to have the excuse of the snowstorm or the COVID-19. <laughs> so, you won't be able to use that in the next episode right. if that is the case. Right. And and that, that's true. Like I said, Memphis and, and Wichita State great teams and I think it's it's hard I I feel like Memphis is a more complete team over Wichita State if if that makes sense in a sense just because of of the talent that they have across multiple positions obviously their their freshman center that um, I can't say his last name it is it is so complicated but (laughs) I'll, I'll try to to pronounce it, but you look at the guards with Lester Kionis and just the whole depth overall is why I feel like Memphis might be the most complete team out of over Wichita State. And I, I'm interested if U of H and Memphis play in the in the semifinals. Uh, I'm gonna try to say this the Memphis freshman center's name. I believe it's Musa. Sis, uh, I don't want to say his last name because I say it wrong. Um, Your guess is as good as mine. I, I believe it has an accent. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I, I'm gonna end up saying it all. I'm not. It's not, it kind of sounds French, um, but anyways, he. Even though I can't say his last name, he's certainly been a, a big help to Memphis and even. There are other centers that Memphis has. They have DeAndre Williams, who Kelvin Sampson, before they played Memphis in the regular season finale, said that he's been a big part of their success too. And he said that that's really what changed their program around. And obviously, of course, Landers and Ollie, just top to bottom, I think Memphis is most complete. I didn't even mention Boogie Ellis. So um, I want to leave you with a quote that Quentin Grimes said, told reporters on Wednesday morning, and I, and I quote, I feel like right now we've got something to prove. People may not think we're as good as we really are, so I feel like right now we really have something to prove heading into the conference tournament, end quote. So Quentin Grimes kind of doing his best impression to kind of have a chip on his shoulder as uh, what many are going to consider Houston the favorites for this tournament. Tamer, what do you think about that quote? 
I was going to say, well, and that's going to do it, folks, because that's how I feel as well. Um, I think University of Houston has a lot to prove. Um, I think some of their their, their seniors have a lot to prove. Um, I know they certainly don't want to go home. So we're just going to have to see what happens come next week. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure that you also follow the Launch Pod podcast, which followed us over from Clerk City Control Room and has joined us with the Apollo Media. If you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculations, guest voices, and camaraderie of your team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options for Tamer. I'm Andy Anes saying so long. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And we hope you're back to listening Pod Slam and Jam covering your University of Houston Cougars.